Hey, podcast listeners. We have hit a patch in the last couple of months where the, the Geek Whispers aren't publishing quite as frequently as we'd like to. We're going to cut back to about once a month in the next few months while we reconfigure some things and come back to you with a, a few ideas for where we go in the future. If you have thoughts on where you'd like to see us go, don't be shy about reaching out. DM John, Amy, or myself, and we can continue the conversation there. Now on to the episode. back to another episode of the Geek Whisperers. My name's John Troyer. And I'm Amy Lewis. And I'm Matthew Broberg. All sorts of thoughts come to me as we gather here together today. It's been a while for the Geek Whisperers. We're going to actually have a conversation uh, just amongst us three. It's been a while since we've sat around the campfire. Uh, We have been traveling all over the world and we've been talking with people and this is what we found. Uh, What we found is, is if you work for a vendor, Uh, and you work for a a big company that's involved with selling something, being in a role of uh, an evangelist or uh, something related to that sort of title is A, tricky, B, possibly career damaging, and C, uh, if you're not in a bucket already, uh, you're you're anti-bucket. You're you're without a bucket. Is there a Latin word for without a bucket, Uh, Amy, Matt? (laughs) Seen bucket. Bucket? No, wait, no, that's the wrong thing altogether. Yeah, we're talking about today people with. If you're not in a bucket, if you're not, if you're not, can't be classified by your coworkers, and they don't quite know what you do, and you're one of the other, and one of something else, and a quarter of something else. If you're not in a bucket, get in one. That's the topic for today. So, John, can you remind us of what the standard buckets are that we we work with as a methodology (laughs) or a model? Well, Well, I have some thoughts on that. Yeah, go for it. Happy to argue. Org org chartus. Org chartus. All right. I know I haven't been able to org chart and so or explain long. or explain. I'm going to org explain you guys. Um, I think it breaks down to sales, marketing, and engineering. And if you look around in our industry and just consider, do you think that's an engineering led company, a marketing led company, or a sales led company? You'll you'll know. You can look around and identify people who fall. I'll, I'll give everybody a pause so they can think about that. If you don't fall into one of those big three. Um, you better be a damn fine PR person, or maybe you're a comms person, but you probably sit in marketing, uh, or, or you better be the CEO. So sales, marketing, engineering. So we're really talking uh, in the vendor space, right? Like primarily, like you're at a company that that builds something. So you're either building something or you're helping sell it. And like the two forms of selling uh, that are often like really interesting to our audience are either like actually in sales doing something there or deep into marketing. Is that a fair overview? Or you could even be the engineering type who's softening them up for the slick back haired sales guy. Yeah. Yeah. So you have the the sales, the marketing and the the product or the building of the product. Yeah. yeah. Well, as seems folks, legit. Yeah. I mean, as, as folks know, right, we've been talking about this topic for a long time. We, we really love the kind of community role, evangelist role, the person who's out doing kind of one-on-one, high-touch relationship building in the in our case, in the community of geeks, right? And I'm kind of even building my career over this, right? We, uh, at, at, uh, after, you know, my, my business does consulting around this. It tells people how to do this. We just started a new program called the Influence Marketing Council, which is for other marketers to help them how to do this. So I'm really fully invested, guys, in this concept of, Companies need people to go out and meet other people and uh, do kind of one-to-one 
things that are echoed in a one-to-many social environment. Are you guys telling me that I'm am I am I leading my my clients down the primrose path? Is this the path actually the slippery slope to hell? No, you sit in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> let me Whew. let me or explain you. Okay. I'm gonna file you in a bucket. Yep. Um and it's interesting because I saw an article recently, I'll have to dig it back up, where somebody was passionately arguing that the influencer work belongs in PR. And sometimes communications functions sit outside of marketing. But again, they're, you know, like you'll have legal and finance, and on occasion communications will sit outside for various reasons. Um, but I, number one, disagreed with the author thoroughly. I don't think that relationship building sits more firmly in PR uh, than it does in marketing. Because I think that in the end, where it's about tying back to the business, we are pinged on this all the time. And we're getting better and better at answering the question of what do you do? Why do relationships matter? And how does it tie back to the business? And there are measurable ways to explain that. But I have found that the simple good old fashioned marketing funnel is one of the simplest and fastest ways to explain why community and relationships matter. So imagine I'm whiteboarding. Um, and we've got the classic marketing funnel where you've got awareness at the top, loyalty at the bottom. Mm, you're, you're, very good at, I, you're very good at whiteboarding. You have good penmanship. <laughs> um, the, uh, so the goal really is to, and I think that's where what we do, I think that's where influence marketing plays. Top of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. The goal is to make the awareness um, as wide as possible. So your goal is to extend that out on both sides. Your other goal should be to make loyalty go as high up in the funnel as possible. So not just the tippy end, but make that an, a bigger chunk. So what you're trying to do is limit the space for the hardest part of marketing in some ways, which is DG. So demand gen is incredibly difficult to get people to give over their name, to move them down the cycle. You want to smooth that path. You want to keep that part of the funnel as small as possible. That's what we do. We surround other parts of marketing with what we do to make their jobs easier. Mm, I think it seems I like legit. That. And and what I also like is like what's sandwiched in between that influencer marketing space is in that middle of like creating like powerful content for the right audience. Like that's where I think people that really dig the developer evangelist title. That's honestly where they fall. They end up being uh, content creators like targeted content creators that help, you know, perpetuate a message that got people in the funnel in the first place and is attempting to provide call to actions that will drive them further down the funnel. Um, but I, I see so often that people are scared to either A, label themselves as marketing because it somehow damages their brand or B, want to see themselves as snowflakes or, or magical unicorn beasts that they don't want to get aligned to any sort of model like this. And I'm I'm advocating that like you're you're disrespecting the buckets. Get in the bucket. Get get in the bucket. Well, and and it's it is like you know is the game musical buckets instead of musical chairs. We all know what happens when the music stops. And the trend I'm seeing, and we're not even in a down market. I don't you know correct me if I'm wrong, listeners or anybody else, but. I feel like there are some great jobs to be had. We have had some companies go through tough times. We've had some layoffs. You know, there's always something pending. But overall, I think there's a, a good lot of, you know, interesting work out there to be done. The startup space is, is thriving. Um, if 
it it can't just be put off on, you know, we're in some another dot bomb. If the economy is doing okay, and if the jobs are out there, but these particular jobs are being targeted and clipped, then it's time to think about how you're selling the position and what you're willing to do. If you like XYZ piece of the position, how do you keep that, but align it to the business? Mm -hmm. Pick a bucket, you know? In some ways, this seems reminiscent of a maturity curve that happens with uh, roles and also happens with technologies. Um, And what I mean by that is, We've talked about the evangelist. I, I think it might have been as we were talking with one of Brian Gracely talks or one of our episodes here on the Geek Whispers. And he was talking about the, whatever this person was, and it might have been Brian, was talking about an evangelist as someone who is on the leading edge of a technology. When you first get a technology into a company and you're selling it, um, a product into a company and you're selling it, no one quite understands it. So you need an evangelist to get out there ahead of the troops and kind of warm up everybody and to, to be an explainer and to kind of make this new future come into uh, reality. You know, a year or two later, you don't need that person. You actually need the army. The army comes in and maybe we can use the settlers, you know, uh, pioneer settlers analogy. You need the, the field, you know, the field team, the, all the sales team to come in. And I think we see that also in terms of functionality of uh, in, inside an organization. So uh, let's, the one, the, the, the latest one we saw was social media. When social media first came into a company, it was not understood. Uh, and a website too, right? When a website was first came into a company, it was not understood. You had a webmaster and everybody knew they needed a website, but they didn't quite know why they needed this website thing. They just needed one. When social media started, everyone was like, I got to get uh, on Twitter and blogs and I got to get all this social media stuff. I'm not quite sure why, but I think it's super important. And so you you had a person, you had like a social media guru, often a, a some sort of child right out of college, uh, who, who, who did the social media function. At this point in 2017, social media is very well understood, right? Social media is like, you've got a team, it interfaces with demand gen, you use paid as well as earned, you, you, you don't have too high a rec- of, of expectations for it because it's corporate social media, but at the same time, you realize it can drive awareness, it can drive people to my webinars, it can, uh, um, you know, it's a very well understood function, whether you're at a company like Salesforce or whether you're, you know, at a hospital or whatever, it, it, it's just, it's understood. You no longer need that that pioneer person to come in and kind of figure it out. I kind of feel like this evangelist who overlays with in-person meetings uh, and social media and has a social media and has a foot in both both worlds. What we the reason we're having this conversation today, the reason we're having this podcast today, is because all three of us actually came to sit down to talk the other day, and we were all kind. This was all kind of on our mind. We'd all heard from our sources that. People were kind of re, you know, I don't know if they're rethinking the role, but they were some some clarification about what the role of this function inside of a uh, uh, product selling company was. Does that make yeah, sense? And, and, absolutely, and I think it ranges from people maybe feeling vulnerable um, to people just pioneers being a little burned out um, and not feeling like there was a next step afterward. It's uh, just sort of a variety. So in some cases, companies saying, thanks, but you know we don't really have a position. People feeling like they didn't have a growth path. Uh, you know, And I think it was you, John, that said, you know, become a, evangelists need to either become a product manager or a, a program manager. Uh, pick, pick a side. Um, or, and I would, or technical I would, marketer. Like, oh, I'm throwing absolutely. that back out there too, because like 
Well, and, and I think, I also think sales, um, and, and Matt, I think you're the only one here who's, who's been, uh, more in, in that function, but I think that's an opportunity too. It, it's back to the big three. Okay. Before we get into that, I wanted to actually do one more analogy and then I want to dive into places, buckets you could be in. Uh, the other analogy, not really an analogy, more of a sister organization that I see is people in community, um, in several community communities. <laughs> and one of them is the CMX community on Facebook. Very, very nice. Very well done. They have a set of uh, events all over the country. Very good. Uh, the, one of the questions in the CMX community lately was, is CMX a profession or is it a skill set? And these are people who are oh, act, active community managers. So they're struggling with the same sort of kind of professional growth path. And um, they're struggling with it, right? A lot of them are, you see now these days, nonprofits have community managers, but, but for-profit companies often falling into kind of a support function. Very few companies have a VP of community. So again, where do these people go? What, where do they fit in the org? What's their career path? And, and there too, I think people are realizing the community does not just hang off uh, of the corporate body like some sort of vestigial tail, right? It, it actually has to be a functional organ. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> I love that. That. May, that may win Geek Whisper analogy of the year. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm impressed with I'd that myself. That. I like that one myself. Yeah, but, but that's the thing, John. Yeah. Like, I, I think uh, people that join as community managers are kind of on the same plane as a support engineer, where you're like, do unless you're in a massive organization, there's no VP levels on that chain. There occasionally are. But if you really align to how the business sees their value, um, you are either a part of a like you can either try to add value to like audience, you know, acquisition or further uh, loyalty and like somewhat inter interact with a marketing organization from support or from community or you are affecting product. Uh, and, yeah. and trying to develop and uh, help support the engagement of early adopters or late adopters and gather feedback. But either well, way, like there is no silo. There should not be a silo of community. Um, or or I, even I support. Really stand by that. Sorry, and, and Matt, I thought you were going there as well. Or even, like you said, a post-sale support back to the loyalty camp. So, uh, you know, sometimes community managers get um, are front and center for that, right? Actually supporting a product after it's in market. Exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's, that's pretty cool. Okay. So there are these functions that are exploratory or super interesting. They don't always last inside corporate structures. You've got to land in a bucket. It's you've got to land on your lily pad somewhere. So let's talk a little bit about where one lands. I'm actually curious about the engineering part. Um, what are, Matt, what are some of the places you can, if you want to land in engineering um, and you're in a very engineering driven organization now, but you're not speaking about Intel, you're speaking in general, what right. are the places you might land? Yeah, I, I've been really exploring this myself because uh, I, I have a bespoke artisanal title right now that uh, does not always make sense to people. So focusing from it, uh, attacking it from a an engineering organization worldview, like really, if you're in an R&D type organization, like there are teams that end up working in, in product management. Um, so ultimately, that's like a product owner role. So these are the people that help groom backlog and and align uh, strategy on a product to uh, and like are the partner of the biz dev side of things. 
but are also deep enough in the technology to understand it. They're defining user personas, really get to explore the the reasons why people use things and push that in the right direction. Um, if, and I, I think one oh, of your job descriptions, if you are a product manager, of course not saying you, but uh, the universal you, it's important to call uh, the marketing team idiots because they just don't understand. And I I find the most amazing um, product managers like see partnerships everywhere and and don't see, you know, don't see people that they have to fight with. I tease, I tease. But yes, I I think it's um, in some ways, I think maybe that's why people uh, struggle when they think about getting in a bucket. So I I absolutely agree with you. But uh, uh, again, a little provocative statement, if you will, that I think people say, oh, you know, this group is so that way, the cats and dogs kind of idea. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. You can't let them play in the same bucket. They'll obviously rip themselves apart. <laughs> um, but in, but maybe we can be adults and work well together. Who, who knows? Uh, I mean, some other options in, in the engineering organization, really, like, unless you really want to code a lot and then also talk occasionally, um, we're not like the traditional evangelist type person we're talking to is not going to fall into a development position. Um, it's going to be more of a maybe program manager. And I've seen the title technical program manager pop up more and more. Um, Google tends to be a leader in that the rest of the industry follows like we did with evangelist, we did with advocate. And now they have technical program managers on all their major projects. And these are people that are public they're sociable, but in the background, they're doing a lot of like coordination um, and like some of the unsexy stuff that makes sure the engineering organization builds the right project and they partner with the the product manager. So interesting model. Uh, I, I like both of those titles, uh, product manager and um, program manager. Hmm. They have gravitas. They sound legit, right? Like, yeah. It, it sounds <laughs> like you're actually part of an organization instead of just being like, hey, I'm the, the unicorn of the week here. Um, let's uh, let's make things done. Uh, let's get things done. And, you know, and that works a lot of places, smaller shops, especially. I guess I'm really preaching to people like me who enjoy being in massive vendors because of the excitement of what they're building, um, but don't naturally fit in just one category. I'm um, starting to find that there's a couple couple groupings of job titles that are really effective. I just want to highlight something you said there, Matt, that was so important, I think. Um, choosing a bucket does not mean you cannot wave to other people in their buckets, nor swim your bucket over to their bucket. You know, you can be absolutely kind of a center of the bucket, core person, or you can choose your team but become a real force for change and building alliances across organizations. So that that's an option. I simply think you have to be firmly in one um, because then it's a value add to work across the aisle as opposed to, you know, risk a sort of Rumpelstiltskin move and get split in half. Yes, there are many ways to like you said, steer your own bucket, um, but but you do need to be in one. I think it's important, going back to what Matt just said, of course, about the tech marketer, too, is that in some organizations, uh, product marketing sits right next to product management, which has a tendency to be very technical because it's working directly with the engineers, and tech marketing kind of sits in there in, in the middle, too. So I've seen definitely organizations where uh, even though you are you have marketing in the title, you're super, super technical, and then other organizations, and I'm not trying to think if it's bigger or smaller, but other organizations where you are more kind of firmly in marketing. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I think saying aligning with 
product. Yeah. Like if you if you wanted if you're looking for phrasing, if like you want something actionable, like put on your resume that you enjoy aligning to the product and understanding the users of that product. And that that will get you down the engineering path no matter what people call it. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Product actually teams, again, modern kind of startup y Silicon Valley companies actually they talk a lot about product versus engineering. Um, I, I think they have a little bit more of a holistic view of, of what goes into it because often their product is some sort of software service. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's an over beers conversation maybe. So, so Amy, you are uh, ex- exploring the worlds of, uh, of marketing uh, these days. Um, wh- where does one end up if one jumps into a marketing bucket? What are some of the options you have? Well, first, I have to tell you of the shock I experience each and every time somebody uh, looks at me and says, well, you're in corp marketing, so tell us dot, 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 because I stop hearing them right after, you know, I feel like, oh, my gosh, I've never in my life sat in corporate marketing. What are you talking about? Um, But I guess gasp of gasps, even though I don't sit in HQ, I do sit in corp marketing. And I have to tell you, it's been really interesting to see how the machine can hum and how all the different groups can can work together. Um, I know I have long been an unapologetic marketer because I, I feel like that's where I sat best. And I fought against having an independent organization that handled social media um, because I do think that, uh, back to the vestigial tail <laughs> analogy, um, you know, it makes you somewhat like an appendix. Uh, it, so I think that opportunity is what you make of it. Um, and I'm certainly an advocate for if, if there's not a marketing function that serves your particular interests, how can you develop one? Um, can you make a business case for it? Or can you partner with an organization that maybe has a lot of people who are sort of doing one off things in marketing, but you look around between each other and realize that you can connect it into something more programmatic. You can create something stronger and more interesting together. So I think there are opportunities to be unique, but do it within a classical context, which is... Go ahead. And what does that look like in job titles for those that are, you know, in the evangelist space and realizing like maybe that phrase isn't really doing them well? Um, How do they align into the roles that you see? Uh, I absolutely think there are opportunities within um, influence marketing in all seriousness is is an opportunity for somebody who has uh, that skill set. I think that I see a lot of people in, in product marketing. Uh, I think there are interesting opportunities actually for uh, TMEs and also SEs. So if if somebody's ready to kind of really take a leap of faith and maybe carry a quota, I think there's extreme growth opportunities, uh, and and that you can, if your if your interest is in bleeding edge technology, get yourself associated, align with that product, that team, that audience, but put yourself within that organization, and then you know there are leadership opportunities. I think to develop a team around you um, to do that sort of work to go after those particular types of accounts but it still aligns to the business. Very few businesses are going to turn down uh, a model where you're, you're trying to ex- expand the edge, expand the footprint. And if, if you're someone with that kind of evangelist heart who likes to be on the bleeding edge and you're with a vendor that is a little more traditional and doesn't feel comfortable pushing that margin, finding that new audience, maybe that overall vendor experience is not a fit for you. So, uh, you know, 
for the for the evangelist who has outgrown their position, I think it's a matter of find out if you can push the edge where you are, or if it's truly a pioneer settlers kind of situation, you may need to transition, find a different company. But think about when you're there, pick that bucket, because otherwise you are going to be in a series of, uh, you'll jump, you'll have to jump from, you know, you'll have to jump from company to company because you'll, you'll burn out the bleeding edge every time. Oh, oh, I've got, um, I've got a good model, uh, for this one. I was talking to a friend, uh, about a job opportunity he had, and he was being promised that he could basically be the external speaker person and could also write code and to equal weight all the time. And he felt like it was awesome, great fit, but it felt a little too good to be true. So (laughs) we thought of this idea. So ask this question to the hiring manager of who would be um, angry? Like who would, who is allowed to be angry when I don't do the work that they're asking me to like basically which uh which team am i ultimately responsible for when i'm oversaturated oh, yeah. with work and if the answer is both then you don't really have one job you're doing two people's jobs mm. that's really uh, good if you have if the answer is like one side then that's your primary job and the other one is just another skill set you get to apply which is super cool but if the answer is both or if the answer is none you either don't have a job or you have two jobs mm. yeah yeah We've we've often heard stories and and I've seen seen tales told of, of similar things with people with two or three jobs, right? If your job is to go to meetups and write blog posts and handle customer tickets and write code, you may have four jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm laughing. I'm thinking back to our episode, our recent episode with Dave Henry. It feels like that quarter trick he taught us of flip a coin and uh which which of your hats do you think is the most important, you know, bet on it uh, or let the coin decide if they're truly 50-50, let the coin decide. But you'll uh, you'll probably either firmly agree or firmly disagree based on when it lands. Um, there's usually a side. Things are rarely that evenly split. Yeah. Well, for- yeah. And, and I'm I just like to advocate for people, especially in our space, because, you know, if anyone's a listener to the show, they're probably the type that gets really excited by technology and they want to progress in their career or they wouldn't be listening to us. It's that simple. So if you're listening to the show, you're probably somebody that would sign up for five jobs just without yeah. hesitation. <laughs> um, yep. Because, yeah, because we're excited and we want to do these things and we want to just be more than one bucket. Um, we want to be more than one pigeonhole. Uh, but there's there's a difference between having the opportunity to do more things and being obligated to do all the things. And well, separating those two things out, I find to be uh, hard and very helpful. <laughs> I think it's such a great point. It actually made me think of a, the episode we did with Scott Lowe, where he talked about pivoting and how he sort of his quote unquote night job was learning the new skills while he was still doing the day job. Um, you know, and he is obviously someone who is, is, you know, got a great reputation and works really hard but he still put in the time to do the pivot. So I, I absolutely think there's a, there's a lesson there for all of us. To your point, you can't do five things at once. You know, you gotta, you gotta take turns. I know we, we are the extra credit kids in some ways, but, um, it can be our undoing and it can leave you without a bucket. (laughs) Ah, nobody wants to be the person without a bucket. Hey, I want to pivot our topic here for a second. 
uh, and talk about developer relations. Um, mm. Matt, you've taken a journey through developer relations. I have I'm in it as well uh, in some aspects. Is the same thing true? We haven't used that word yet. I, my sense is talking to the DevRel folks, for some people, now let's explain if people don't have the context. Uh, in some companies, de so developer relations people are usually when the company is marketing to engineers or developers. Uh, some DevRel people really are kind of awareness pre-sales people, like we've been talking about with evangelism, kind of more in the kind of enterprise IT space. Some actually, though, are post-sales. Some of kind of our customer success engineers or uh, kind of post-sales, post-implementation, kind of they work with customers to make sure that they, they're set up right or any customizations need to happen. So I think there actually are kind of two flavors of DevRel. But Matt, I mean, is this another case where you got to know where you sit? Yeah, know who you're serving first uh, and last, right? Um, because, uh, yeah, I, I really think the practice of developer relations is uh, super cool. It, it makes sense to have some centralized expertise of people that know how to relate to target audiences, especially since being an influencer in, in some of these audiences is crucial to get things done. And that takes dedication that you can't just hire for right away. Um, so I, I love seeing these models where people get to decentralize and maybe part of their charter is like sales enablement and funnel growth. And part of their charter is post sales and part of it's pre, um, that all works decently well. Uh, but it, it would suffer from the same sort of, you know, who do you work for all the time? Um, and I find like the ones that work really well, understand that, their measurement of success is content because they're actually in marketing. And there are other teams that like their measure of success is case deflection because they're basically support. Mm -hmm. um, but just understanding what your, uh, that's one of those times where metrics can tell you more about your org chart than maybe your title can. Ooh. Uh, like what you're being measured against is actually going to be the indicator of who you work for. Uh, if you understand that mapping, <laughs> um, whether yep. you like it or not, Amy. <laughs> well, I, Shockingly, I'm even going to agree with you and take what? it one step further. <laughs> yes. What drives your stock price if you're in full release or what, you know, what kind of business are you? Are you sales, engineering or marketing driven? Um, because I actually am very bullish on developer relations. I think it's going to be a new function that evolves and grows. I think giving it a name and building an organization is worthwhile. So there's opportunity there to figure out where that sits in your business and advocate for it and grow that business. But that is the other pet subject of mine right now, because going around the world, talking to a lot of people for pop-up tech talks, I have heard one theme over and over and over again from the engineering types, which is you have to be a business person in addition to being an engineer more than ever. I, I heard Reach. unlimited people say it's not enough to be the best programmer, the best developer, the best engineer, the best whatever, you have to have a head for the business that IT truly has shifted all that blah, 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 we've talked about for years, it's happened. And people who are successful in their careers are, they have to make good business judgment, they have to know where the bottom line sits. So I will I will step off the soapbox now. But developer relations is possible. If you uh, either decide you want to lead that or become a real champion for it sitting somewhere sensible. And, and the reason I like developer relations as a term so much, learn from public relations, learn from analyst relations, learn from IR, learn from those uh, traditional pathways and see 
are you more like them or not? It will help you decide what you're not. So you can also file yourself appropriately for your company. I like it. I like it. Well, Amy, well, Matt, I think we're probably coming to the end of this episode. I don't think, I forget, as when we talk amongst ourselves, uh, do we end with uh, Amy's final traditional question? I'm not, I, I forget if we do that or not, if that's a tradition. I, I think, I think we should ask ourselves, go around the table, what's a job title you once had that you will never accept again? Or one that you will not accept, period. Or you'd counsel someone not to accept. Oh, um, Matt, you got anything? Amy, you want to start? Yeah, sure, sure. No, I mean, I never took an evangelist title and that was intentional. Um, I, I always liked the idea of it, but I, I feel like it it's too ambiguous, even for me. <laughs> and I'm a developer advocate. And and honestly, at this stage, if I'm joining a large company again, like uh, I think I really understand like developer advocate has helped me connect into a group of people that I'm now a group of. And if my title changes, it'd be for the best. So I'm either looking at aligning to product or program. Um, so the technical program manager is a job title I think is really interesting. And uh, product marketing or product manager is super cool work. So any anything on that engineering side is is fascinating to me right now. And I highly recommend people checking those out. Mm, very nice. Very nice. Amy, how about yourself? Um, I think the one you have to be most careful about, I've got a couple. I think social media, you definitely have to be careful with so you don't get pigeonholed. Um, we're very careful on my team to talk about uh, you know expertise in metrics or expertise in content marketing to align with more traditional aspects to really underscore that um, and that we're all practitioners first because that's different and being a, a personal practitioner who uses social media, that allows you to be in training and enablement as well. So that gets you a lot of different avenues. I think the other one you have to be really careful with is community manager. Um, because uh, we've talked about that more than once. There are incredibly talented people who get stuck doing very menial parts of the, of the job and not able to, to have a growth path up. Um, I think that people can get underpaid if they don't have a strategic component of it. And I think that they can, they can get, um, you know, stuck doing very similar work and not permitted to, to take on that next thing. Um, so I think those are two to be, to be really conscientious about. Hmm. That's good. That's good. I will, uh, I'll give a two part answer. One of which was a, a job that I, uh, title that was actually worked pretty well, which is when I first started at VMware, I was actually the product manager for a, for the community. So it, I own the community as a product. Mm. and Oh, that's really good. Yeah, we were developing new outlets. We developed new communication channels. We had a newsletter. Actually, that was right when we were starting this thing called VMTN, which was also the product bundle. So I, I, wasn't, the product, I wasn't the product manager for the bundle, but the associated kind of web property. So that worked. That was a case where that worked. And I think it's an example that illustrates what we've been talking about today. And then, well, the, you do yeah. the work, but you find a way to frame it in a way that's better for you and your career. Oh yeah, I was working with bloggers. I started the first blog mm -hmm. at VMware. I mean, I was doing cool stuff, but it was called product manager, and because it, it was thinking about the activity as a product. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, the one that didn't work was the at towards the end of my tenure there at VMware, I was an evangelist, and it was the, clearly the case once again of the things we were talking about here is uh, I got the label stuck on me because they didn't quite know what bucket to put me in. So uh, my job was kind of to, to do my things I was doing, be John Troyer, be an evangelist, be a, be a outward facing person for VMware. But I, I, and I was connected, but you know, I, I was between buckets and maybe that's one reason I got shook loose. So 
That's one title I would not take again. There you go. So I will be very interested. I'm hoping that our listeners will uh, give us some feedback. Uh, DM if you must, if you have to protect the innocent, but we would love to hear from you uh, some titles that you tried on and didn't fit so well. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Matt, Amy, I think it's time to draw this one to a close. We're so happy to be back and talking to y'all. Let us know what you think um, and what you'd like to hear. And if you'd like to be on the show, you also know how to reach us. We're very available. Uh, Once again, this has been another episode of The Geek Whispers. You've been listening to The Geek Whispers podcast. Tune in on iTunes or Stitcher for regular stories of technology careers, cultures, and lives. Share it with a friend or invite us to an event through our website, geek-whispers.com. Find us on Twitter at geek underscore whispers or at Jay Troyer, MJ Brender, and Comms Ninja. Thanks for listening and see you next time.